Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seahawks, they stayed put with number 56 overall in the second round. I know a lot of Seahawks fans expecting to trade out with only three picks in the 2021 draft, but it was one of the things I talked about with Tony Pauline. If they could find a guy that they were really excited about at 56, I'd be happy if the Seahawks stayed at that pick and took a guy. And so here joining us to talk about the selection is EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. And I also have Clinton Bonner, who we are we were recording live in the locker room app, and we just decided to to hang on and and keep this going and roll right into the pick. So EJ, wanted to thank you for coming on and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Always a good time. Uh, you and I have done this for a couple of years running now and and with some preview and post wrap up shows in between, uh, always learn something. And it's just a ton of fun um, being local in the market. Uh, I, I love to lurk as a fly on the wall to John and Pete uh, because they're a heck of a combo. They're really unpredictable. They're great for the entertainment value. And uh, I, again, we were talking pre-show that I would I would have missed on this one. I would have guessed that they traded down for sure. And if you said if you had to pick who they who they're going to pick when they stay, I Eskridge would not have been the first name off my lips. That's for sure. No, but he is a guy who's he's a compelling player. And when I was I, I mentioned talking to Tony Pauline the other day, Dwayne Eskridge was a name that came up, a guy that they interviewed on on his show. And one of the things that we talked about was that he played both wide receiver, also lobbied a little bit to play corner. And yes, while he doesn't uh, really fit as the Seahawks type of cornerback, I, I like that level of competition. Also a guy who can play special teams. For sure. Super varied skill set for a guy that doesn't have an imposing frame. Uh, we're talking about 5'9", 188 at his measurements. Fifth year senior, uh, which is another thing. He's a little bit, you know, the, the term in the scouting community is overaged. Uh, we see a lot of guys coming out as redshirt sophomores, uh, you know, third year players, fourth year players. This is a guy that's been playing now for five years, um, but explosive, electric, uh, exciting. These are all the words you hear with Eskridge. This is a guy that can take short passes and turn them into long gains. Um, if there's a downside besides the frame because he's not a what you'd call an inline wide receiver a guy you're going to line up outside as a true x he's not typically going to hold up versus press although he's very hard to get his hand get your hands on because uh so explosive at the line just jitterbug feet some people he went to the senior bowl and a lot of people had concerns about drops mm. like he doesn't have the biggest hands and he doesn't catch the ball and some wide receiver analysts will tell you that drops are noise and you shouldn't really pay attention to him you should just look at production overall Eskridge had plenty of that, but he is going to drop a few. Just get ready for that. You know, spend some time with the jugs machine would be good. But the ones he gets his hands on, man, don't leave your seat because he can light it up on just about any kind of route. He is one of those guys that's extremely elusive, plenty of yards after the catch, very hard to get a hold of. Now, one guy here who was on the board, if the Seahawks were going to go wide receiver, which they did, is uh, Deami Brown had not come off the board yet. Where do you kind of slot him in terms of how you'd rank him against a guy like Eskridge? I, I think they play different positions, really. Uh, Deami Brown, an outside wide receiver, a deep ball specialist. Uh, that's what he was at North Carolina. Uh, he was the guy that came down with a lot of long Sam Howell chucks. Um, not all of them, but a bunch of them. And that's why people rate him highly. He is the nine route guy. 
Um, that's if you go to his highlights, that's what you're going to see. And Eskridge, not that guy. Eskridge is a slot guy through and through, speed guy, yards after the catch guy. Uh, he's not a guy that typically is going to – he doesn't have a great vertical jump. He's not going to elevate over you know, cornerbacks to take the ball away going up the ladder. That's not his game. Deami Brown, that is his game. So in terms of how they stack, they're a little bit apples and oranges. Uh, I was a little bit lower on both of them than most people. Like both of them in the right fit. And Deami Brown, look, for the Seahawks – could have been a very good fit because we all know Russell Wilson throws a very pretty deep ball and Deami Brown could have come down on the other end of a lot of those. Um, but that's his strength. If you're looking for somebody, if you're going to say DK Metcalf is going to get most of those targets in Seattle, what does Eskridge bring? It's that, look, we now have a weapon at slot, right? We're going to have Lockett on one side. We're going to have Metcalf on the other side. We're going to put Eskridge and move him all over. We can run tap passes to him, jet sweeps. We can run uh, you know, little slants and look for big gains. It just brings an added dimension or layer to the Seahawks passing game, whereas Deami Brown would have been more redundant with targets that DK Metcalf really should be getting anyways. EJ, if I could interject and say For I sure. love you, I, I love you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I love you. the love. I love the I, love. I loved you. I loved, you know, times ago now that I heard you, and by the way, you're really good at what you do, and and uh, grateful you get on with Brandon, and and I learned a lot from you. Uh, and with that, this was the dude, right? So Brandon, Brandon, will let you know we get on here, and we usually uh, the 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 pod we host is quite like an emotional reaction show in game season. <laughs> a lot. So that's what I do. I, like, I do one of those. I do one of there those. I get it. I full, fully get it. And uh, but for the most of the off season, I'm like, man, we need that quick twitch guy. We need the guy that if we're gonna get Shane Waldron, we have to have a guy that can do those things. And it wasn't David Moore looking like he's at the end of the year, looking like he's running running in quicksand. And it just, and to me, it's not Freddie Swain. It's like, we had to go get that that next layer do that you just described. So for to hear that from your lips, uh, I'm sitting here as joyful as I possibly can be. I liked it when I heard it and now it's cemented in my brain, in my heart, that this is a darn good pick. So EJ, to you. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate all that. And and I'm glad that you see it that way because you watch, I mean, I watch the Hawks, but you watch the Hawks in a very different way. And, you know, that's the way I see it. And I'm glad that lines up with you guys. Quite frankly, that's validating for me. But Eskridge is a guy, like you said, you named the other guys. Moore was underrated, but very solid. And that's what I'd call him, very solid. Same thing with Swain. I like Swain coming out of Florida. He caught my eye on the Auburn tape when I was scouting as their third wide receiver. And again, he's a guy that's going to come in and, um, you know, if we were talking about him as a running back, which he's not, we'd say he gets the yards that are blocked, right? He picks up the runs that are in front of him. That's what Swain's going to do. He's going to run the right route. He's going to catch the ball. He's not going to create a lot after the catch. He's not going to be super dynamic, break three tackles and go 80 yards. Eskridge might. So it's an upgrade at a similar position, and you can use Swain as your fourth to be that slot on the other side, be that predictable drag route, and say, Eskridge, look, I just, you know, you run the option route, I'll read it the same way you do, get you the ball, and then we'll just all sit back and watch. And while the Seahawks went wide receiver, obviously some other needs on the team, including offensive line, cornerback. Going to talk about some of those players who were on the board that the Seahawks could have had coming up next. Well, moving on, EJ, I do want to ask about some of the other players on the board, because one of the things that we have been talking about is kind of that need for 
the Seahawks on the offensive line. And man, oh man, I look at some of the centers, the fact that Quinn Minerts was still on the board to, to play center. Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma still on the board. Are you surprised that these guys are still there and that the Seahawks didn't go with them? Two-part question. Am I surprised they're still there? Not really. Uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this on the live stream. We had a couple of bets. Uh, one was, uh, so Brett's bet was nine offensive linemen were going to go in the first round, tackles and guards and centers. They could all be grouped together. Not even close. The number was five. <laughs> uh, my bet was eight offensive tackles within the first 48, which is the first round and a half. And I made that because Ooh. of Jackson Carmen. Yeah, barely. Uh, if it was if I was going for Sam Cosme, I would have missed it by three. But no, I made it because of Jackson Carmen. So eight did go in the first 48. But I expected them to go higher and sooner. And I expected more of them. Well, what happened? A couple of running backs went in the first. I had no running backs going in the first uh, two went. There was a big run uh, in that volatile period of the first round, which is always the tail end of the first round. Really, 20 to 32 is where you start to see some huh picks because teams just had different players ranked that they wanted to go get. This time it was edge, right? Four edges go in that in that last like six picks. And that could have been guards. That could have been, you know, guys like Humphrey, uh, who had been talked about as sneaking into the end of the first round. So am I surprised they're there? A little bit, but not a ton. Uh, more with Humphrey than with Miners, but they're both great players. Um, Follow-up part of the question, am I surprised that Seattle didn't pick them? I'm a little surprised from a sort of value standpoint of uh, wide receiver like Eskridge is going to impact maybe – 20% of your plays. I think that might be a little rich actually playing the slot. Uh, a center like Creed Humphrey is going to touch the ball every down on offense. Right. Um, and so your possible return or whatever you want to call it value uh, seems like it would be higher. I, I certainly love Creed Humphrey as a player. Um, I would be very happy if he ended up being a Seahawks center or Bears center uh, for that matter, because he's one of the guys that is it. Look, he's been at Oklahoma forever. All the Oklahoma quarterbacks, right? Lincoln Riley's turned that into quarterback factory and all those guys. Creed Humphrey's been there long enough. He was their center. He's been there six years and he's he's been the center for all those guys, all those lines, all those offensive linemen that have come out. Creed Humphrey was the anchor, the pivot. That's that's a kind of experience that you don't typically get. And he's been largely injury free and played at an extremely high level. So I put a I put a premium on all those things. I think Creed Humphrey's a great player. Am I surprised the Seahawks didn't take him? I don't know. The Seahawks have a very interesting relationship with stocking and restocking the offensive line over the years. In the cable years, it was one thing. Then it looked like they'd really turned a corner. They went out and traded for a high end tackle and, and started to put some picks towards it, some higher round picks. Um, you know, is that going to continue? I don't know. Again, they switch offensive coordinators. Maybe they've got some eyes. There is a lot of depth in this class, and that's sort of the saving grace. Is just because they didn't do it here doesn't mean they can't do it uh, at one of their later picks. And you might say, well, EJ, their later picks are a lot later. Right. I know, but there's a ton of depth in this class, and there are guys down the board um, that, again, if they think they can get them there or, again, Pete is a trader. Uh, you know, John Schneider is a trader. They could, you know, mortgage a couple of assets from maybe a future year, move up if a guy they want is hanging out there on the board. I, I'm not so sure that they're going to do that. I, I think they're going <laughs> to end up staying. Or, and maybe the fourth is the one that they end up moving back from because I just it, it didn't shock me that they stayed put here. But um, just because I, I thought that they could get the guy 
that they felt they needed. And it just was a question of, you know, would it be that future tackle? You know, Dante Smith still on the board, Spencer mm-hmm. Brown still on the board. It, I, I thought that they could have stayed put and, and taken one of those guys potentially. Are there any other wide receivers, though, EJ, that maybe Seahawks fans to watch? I know one that's going to be compared just because going right after the, the Rams is Tutu Atwell. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, other players they could have taken here or other players they might take later on. No, other other receivers that they could have taken here. Yeah, uh, there's a lot. It's a uh, the two we're talking about the two deepest positions, in my opinion, in the class. Uh, maybe not the two best positions. I think quarterback, you've got to count because there's a lot of high end talent. You don't usually see this many starters in a class at quarterback or potential starters. But in terms of depth and just overall value. The offensive tackle class and the wide receiver class are both stacked this year. So uh, in terms of other wide receivers, they could have taken a bunch. Um, you know, they they could have taken Amari Rodgers, right? Played a similar role. Is, is he explosive? No. Is he more versatile? Yeah. He's also better built. Um, if you want that guy to take some sort of running back snaps or tap pass snaps, like Amari Rodgers is a tree stump compared to Dwayne Eskridge. Um, Kate Johnson. I know he played more outside at South Dakota State, but he's lightning quick, runs great routes, good hands, and he offers special teams value. You know, he's we're starting to get into the round, the range round where he's going to go. Um, Jalen Darden from North Texas is a very similar player to Eskridge. Uh, more special teams value, I think slightly better hands, very similar frame, small, but the same electricity, ability to beat people in space and score when you really think you shouldn't be able to. That's probably it in the same range. Again, there are guys like that farther down, and there are other guys if you want to back up another role or you really want a big slot to you know sort of take the more spot on the other side to really have a four-wide receiver lineup where you'd have Metcalf, Lockett, Eskridge, and then a big slot to really – uh, put other nickel corners who might not be able to handle that size and speed. You go get a nine route guy like Tamorian Terry from Florida State, who's six three, you know, two fifteen, big wide frame, loves the nine route. That's a nightmare, right? What are you gonna do? That guy runs like a four four. You got Metcalf, Lockett, and Eskridge. Good luck, right? I could I could see that being a lot of fun, and he's gonna be available later on. So depends on where they want to go with it, but I'm you know. With only three picks, I really do think they have to invest in offensive line unless they trade back, multiply picks, or trade from future assets. But if they avoided it altogether, I'd be a little bit suspect of that draft. Well, we are recording live via locker room. And so let's try and get a question in here. Garen coming in. Did you have a question for EJ? Well, I think it was more just a general statement. Um, You know, I think that taking the wide receiver the way that EJ described it and and who we took was a great thing. and it'll be complimentary to who we have. But ultimately, I'm going to speak on behalf of 12s right now and say I think we would rather have seen a offensive lineman taken, especially a center. If that means that we have, you know, trying to make Russell happy, okay, fine, put it that way. But, you know, we've been hurting at the offensive line. So, I don't know, that's my take on it. I think it's a logical take, Aaron. And what's up, man? And overall, though, for me, it's like, I think, you know, Ethan Postick, he, I think we act as if he was 
Jermaine or Fetty, I know a different position, position, but at his worst. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> That's current well, bear, Jermaine or Fetty. As, as, a, as a guard, he was a lot better for you guys, from my understanding, right? He was, he was Absolutely serviceable. true. Yeah, there you Absolutely go. true. We just took I'm Devin not, Jenkins to, to move a Fetty to swing guys, tackle. <laughs> yes, we were, we were uh, complimenting, or at least I was saying that the Bears, I think, are having a pretty darn good, good draft. So you know, a backup that, tackle like, might be a Fetty's best position. I, yeah. I think it's an upgrade. Let's put it that way. <laughs> very good. Very good. And with that, but I think we, we, we just kind of, uh, romanticized to the, to the negative, if you will, that, uh, Postic was a nightmare out there and he, he wasn't a nightmare. He was an issue, especially when like the guy either to his left or his right was also banged up. Then he got exposed. Then things really got exposed. But when he had, when, when the five starters were out there, Posick was at least serviceable, at least a C. He wasn't a negative player. Now, I'd say he's a plus. And looking at the, you know, what we, what, what I thought we needed to do offensively with Waldron coming in, just to give that, that different level of, you know, just dynamics out there. Uh, Garen, I'll push back and say, man, I'm, I, I like, going with the offensive weapon, knowing that we could still still figure things out for center if we really want to. But I'm okay with Postic. He's not he's not terrible. Are you guys familiar with the trucks and trailers theory? So this is Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks trucks and trailers, right? Trucks are the, the players. They typically talk about this for offensive players. A lot of times for quarterbacks, trucks are the players that are actually going to move the offense along on their own. Trailers are guys that can play well within the structure, um, but are not going to be the sort of dynamic leaders uh, on a unit. And I kind of like a poster like that, right? He's, he's a trailer. He's fine. Right. You right. put good folks around him. He's not going to be the weakest link. He's going to be okay. You ask him to start doing a roll or a roll and a half or a gap and a gap and a half job, job and a half, something like that. You're going to see that he's not a truck right real quickly. So again, if you surround him with decent talent, I think he's fine. If you say, hey, you're going to be the leader, you're going to be the Creed Humphrey, you're going to be the glue, you're going to be a guy that holds that whole thing together, I think you're going to be disappointed. EJ, I really want to thank you for coming on, especially, you know, taking a break from bootleg football. You guys doing the live stream. I don't know if you noticed. I did. Bootleg I, totally football. Noticed. I was I was going to be quiet about it. But <laughs> if anybody uh, I don't know if locker rooms video or not, but if anybody sees your bootleg football T-shirt and goes, man, that's dope. Uh, we are running a special for the draft. So use the code draft 2021. When you go to the store, you can get 10 percent off any item in the store. You can check that out on your website. And because, yes, it isn't it isn't video. We aren't live via video and locker room or audio only. So definitely go to the website, check that out. And and you guys, what, what's the promo code once again? It is DRAFT2021, all caps, no spaces. So there you go. Get your bootleg football shirt. Help support EJ and what they're doing over there at Bootleg Football. And people can catch your, your YouTube stream as well. I know I'm going to be watching. I watched the entire day one there. So it was, I got to tell you, Brandon, it was nuts. Uh, so we tapped out at 2,100 concurrent viewers. Last year it was 450. Wow. And we had 15,000 comments in chat yesterday in the live stream. Wow. Holy shnikes. That's, and people that's... are like, why didn't you answer my question? And I was like, because <laughs> there was 15,000 of them, man. Uh, no, it's been great. The support's been tremendous. Uh, we picked up a primary sponsor, which has been amazing. And look, it's the best time of year. I love talking about the draft, love interacting with fans. And for that, it's just been it's been Christmas. So it's really, really cool. Well, EJ, a big thanks for you coming on and breaking down the pick as soon as it happens. I'll be looking forward to 
to talking to you tomorrow on Saturday, unless the Seahawks surprise us and move back into the third round. Probably not going to happen, but we will probably be talking to you tomorrow uh, at least once in that fourth round pick. So EJ Snyder, big thanks once again for coming on the show. And until next time, Seahawks fans, go Hawks. Go Hawks.